If you could turn with me in the Word of God again to that passage that we read together just a few moments ago, the book of Jonah and the chapter 1, and then with the Word of God open before us, we'll just seek the face of the Lord in a brief word of prayer. Our eternal God and our gracious and loving Father in heaven, we thank thee for what has took place thus far in this service this morning. But as we come now to the most important part of the worship service, the preaching of thy precious word, we come to thee and we ask thee for help. We ask thee for the infilling of thy Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst help me to preach thy word with power. We pray that it would be indeed applied to every person who is in this gathering and also those who may be listening online. We pray that thou wouldst speak through thy word. Father, bless the preaching of thy word, we pray. For it's in thy precious name we ask. Amen and amen. I want to take as my text this morning the words of Jonah chapter 1 and the verses 2 and the verse 3. Those two verses they read, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the further off and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The prophet Jonah is a man who most likely will not need much of an introduction to us. We are introduced to him in the opening verse and we see that this is the book that bears his name. And in the opening verse, we have a reference to his father, Amittai. And we, from that reference, we then discover that he is a prophet. Because in 2 Kings chapter 14, and the verse 25, we have another reference to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And in that reference, he is referred to as a prophet. In the book of Jonah, he is not called a prophet. But in 2 Kings, he is called a prophet. And thus we see that he was a prophet and a servant of the Lord. The reference in 2 Kings, it commends him, for it says he spoke the word of the Lord and it came to pass. And indeed, Jonah was a true prophet of the Lord. In the passage before us, however, the Lord has given him another opportunity to go and to speak his word, to go and to preach the message of the Lord to many thousands of people. He was given a wonderful opportunity. In the opening verse, it tells us, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. And uh, that was how the Lord gave him his calling. The word of the Lord came unto him. It was a special revelation from the Lord. You know, it's a great thing when the Lord speaks to us. And today he speaks to us not through, not in the same manner he spoke to Jonah, but he speaks to us through his written word. We have the divine revelation, the special revelation of God contained in the scriptures. There are many, and they will claim that the Lord has spoken to them through all sorts of uh, different ecstatic experiences. Uh, But many of those experiences, they tell them to do something that is contrary to the word. I think of one 
occasion where I heard of a man maybe two years ago and he said that he was living in a certain way that was immoral and he said that the Lord had told him that it was okay for him to live like that even though it was in complete contradiction to what scripture taught. But I tell you today that the word of God will never contradict what the Lord says because what the Lord says is the word of God. Any so-called revelation that contradicts the Bible, we can say it is false. And we have no need for it because we have the word of God. The word of God is the final authority. We think of the words of 2 Timothy chapter 3, where it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of right and righteousness. The word of God is the final authority. And we should not be like those who desire a sign or some sort of miraculous experience. Rather, we come to the word of God and we trust what he has written in his word. And the truth is that if something goes against the word of God, it is wrong and we should not do it. But in the passage before us, we see that the Lord has spoken to Jonah. He's, he's spoken to his prophet, to his man, and he was called by the Lord to go uh, to a place. He received a commission, a great commission. It was a sovereign command from the Lord. He'd received his marching orders and he was duty bound to obey. If an army is commanded to go into battle by the prime minister or by a king or by a president or by its generals, the soldiers will obey. They receive the orders and then they go and they fulfill those orders. And the same applies to Jonah. He was given a specific duty or a command. He was told to go to a, a city and to preach the word. Thus this morning I want to consider a few thoughts with you on Jonah's commission in the time that remains. And when we look at this commission of Jonah, which we have it in verse 2, and we also have mention of it in verse 3, we see firstly that it was an urgent commission. Because the first two words that were spoken to Jonah... We see there it says in verse 2, it says, Arise, go. Arise, go. It was a rousing call. It was a wake-up call. And it expressed his urgency. He was told to arise, go. He was told to get up, go. He was told to go by the Lord. He was told to go to the city of Nineveh. And when we think of the city of Nineveh, the place where he was called to go, we can note its specifics because Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was a great city. Verse 2, it tells us, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. It was a great city. We read of its construction in Genesis chapter 10. We see that it's associated with a man called Nimrod, who was an evil and a wicked man. And archaeologists, they tell us that the city of Nineveh, it occupied a space of approximately 350 square miles. It had a population of between 600,000 and 1 million people. And it was a very wealthy city. The people in it were very well off. They had all they could ever have wanted. And they had, um, there was much education available there. And it is said that it also possessed a library of approximately 16,000 clay tablets which in that, that day and generation was most significant. We see there when we look at Nineveh, it was a great city. They had all going for them that they could ever have wanted. But yet there was a problem because we see Nineveh's sin. Because our text tells us that their wickedness, it had come up before the Lord. 
says, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. You know, it was an evil city. It was abhorrent. It was a city renowned for its wickedness. They were known to disobey the law of God. And it said that there were sins. They included witchcraft. They included murder. They included robbery and deceit. Those things were commonplace in the city. It wasn't a very pleasant place at all. Yes, they had all those, we could say, all those advantages. They had the education. They had the wealth. They had a great army. It was a mighty city. But yet it was a sinful city. It was a bastion of the devil and of wickedness. And a number of years after Jonah had preached in Nineveh and the time had moved on, Nineveh had returned to their wicked ways. And the book of Nahum and the chapter 3, it's speaking of the city of Nineveh. And Nahum says about the city of Nineveh in chapter 3 in the verse 1, he says, Woe to the bloody city. It is all full of lies and robbery. The prey departeth not. And he then goes down. We go to verse 3. It says, The horseman lifteth up both the bright sword and the glittering spear. And there is a multitude of slain and a great number of carcasses. And there is none end of their corpses. They stumble upon their corpses. Then the following verse that mentions witchcrafts and other types of sins. But we note the words of verse 5. It says, Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts. You know, the Lord is a holy God. He says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And he is against sin. And the Lord was against the city of Nineveh in these days of Nahum because of their sin. But he also was against the city in the days of Jonah because of their sin. You know, that brings us to see Nineveh's sentence. For Jonah was sent to cry against it. He was told, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. Our text doesn't give us the exact details of the sentence that was against Nineveh. But if we look over to Jonah chapter 3 and the verse 4, we read that when Jonah went to the city of Nineveh, and when he proclaimed the preaching that the Lord had bid him, he says, he says, and he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Forty days and then the city would be destroyed. There was a sentence of death and destruction upon that great city. If they did not repent of their sin, if they did not turn from their sin to the Lord, they would be destroyed. They had but a short time to repent. They were given 40 days. And if at the end of those 40 days, the city continued in its wicked ways, they would be destroyed. Does that not show us the urgency of this commission? There was a limited time. And these people, they were sinful. They had a sentence issued against them. And if they did not repent, and if somebody did not go to tell them that they needed to repent, they would be destroyed. It was an urgent commission. But you know, whenever we look at this land that we live in, we look at our nation, we see the sinfulness all around us. We see the Lord's day desecrated. We see it being treated as just another day. And we see a hatred for authority. And we see all sorts of other sins taking place. And really, in our land, we could really write the words of Judges 21 and the verse 25. Where it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. 
You know, that is really what we see in our land today. People are doing what they think is right. They're not doing what the Lord says is right. They're not obeying the word of God, but rather they're doing their own thing. You know, our land, like nation, like Nineveh, our land, like Nineveh, is sinful. It is sinful. It is sinned against the Lord. And what is more, it is under a sentence. We think of that great sentence for sin, everlasting punishment in the lake of fire. You know, today there are men and women and they are dying. They are dying in their sins. They are dying in their sins and they are dying under this sentence. You know, like Jonah of old, like Jonah here in the Old Testament, we have an urgent commission. We have been told in the Gospels by the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been told to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are to tell them that they are sinners. We are to tell them that they need to repent of their sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. There's urgency. There's urgency. We do not know what a day may bring forth. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. There are people in this land and they are tramping down that road to a lost eternity. And there are many people who they're passing away day by day and they have never heard the message of the gospel. There's urgency. We need to go and we need to tell them. Yes, we cannot force them to believe. But if they have never heard the gospel, how will they believe? We look at the book of Romans. And the chapter 10, Romans and the chapter 10. And it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Romans 10 verse 14. It says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? How will they hear? How will they be able to believe if they have never heard? They need someone to go and tell them. You know, to tell others of the gospel. You don't need to be a minister of the gospel who has went and done the period of training and then you're, you're, you're called to a church and so on and so forth. But you can also preach the gospel simply by witnessing to your friends, to your family, to those around you. You can preach the gospel by helping out in a children's work, by perhaps maybe taking part in an open air. There's a multitude of ways in which you can preach the gospel. But the reality is for the people of Ulster, for the people of this town, for the people of this county, for the people of this island, for this, indeed, our entire nation, how will they hear without a preacher? The people of Nineveh, they would not hear the message they needed to hear unless the preacher went. There was urgency. There was an urgent commission. It's important that the people of this nation know the gospel. Let me ask, do you seek to tell others about the gospel? Do you seek to preach the word unto them, whether it be perhaps through a ministry in the pulpit? Maybe you do preach occasionally. Or maybe it's through the children's work or one of those other means we've mentioned. Do you seek to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you warn them of their sin? Do you warn them of the sentence that is due to them? Do you see the urgency the seriousness of the commission that the Lord has given you. But we've seen the urgency of this commission. But then we see, secondly, that it was an undesired commission. And we see this in verse 3. Is we see that Jonah, he sought to flee. It says, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He'd been given a command. 
but he didn't want to go. You know, there's many today and they don't want to obey the word of the Lord. They don't want to heed what the Bible teaches. And they will say they believe it. But whenever it confronts them about some sin, or maybe it gives them a task that they do not want to perform, they will then say, no, 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 no. And they will flee from the Lord. They will turn a blind eye to it. And Jonah himself was a prophet of the Lord. He was a man who had preached the word of the Lord in Israel and was a man of God. But now when he was told to Nineveh, he said no. He didn't want to go. He sought to flee. He didn't want to do it. You know, there's numerous reasons could be given for why he didn't go to Nineveh. One reason could be that, well, there would be difficulties. Nineveh, as we said, was a great city. And the work would be hard. It was large. And it was said that it would take three days to walk through the entire city. And we've said the population was between 600,000 and 1 million people. So it was going to be hard work and labor bringing the message of the Lord to all of those people. It was going to be difficult. It was going to be hard. Hard work. Yet we have to say that hard and difficult work should not hinder our service for the Lord. Should not hinder our desire to serve him. Because yes, the Lord's work is hard. Often it seems unrewarding. But yet we know we are not laboring for an earthly reward. We labor for the one who has saved us with his precious blood. And life is full of many difficulties. And we should not use them as excuses. But rather we should trust the Lord. The fact was that the Lord had called Jonah to Nineveh. And Jonah should have trusted the Lord to undertake any difficulty. But then there's another possibility. We've seen that there may have been difficulties, but there may also have been dangers. Because as we said, Nineveh was a wicked city. The prophet may have thought, if I go to Nineveh, uh, they, they might, and I, I call out their sin. I tell them that they need to be saved. I tell them they need to give up these things that they're doing. He may have thought that he would get lynched and that he would get put to death. He would lose his life. And we have to say that would put fear into anyone. But yet again, surely Jonah should have trusted the Lord. He should still have had faith. But we have to say that scripture does not give either of those two reasons as, as reasons for Jonah not to go. But what we do have in scripture is a third reason. And it is the reason of discrimination. And we say, how, how do we ascertain that? Well, if we look at Jonah chapter 4 and the verses 1 to 2, it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. The Lord had done a mighty work in the city of Nineveh. Jonah had eventually went, he had preached the word, and the people had turned from their wicked ways, from the king right down to the, the lowest members of society, and they had turned unto the Lord. We would say that was wonderful. But yet, Jonah, he wasn't very happy. He didn't want them to repent, because now that they had repented of their sin, he was grumbling, he was complaining. And the truth is that his reason, as we see in this passage, is that the, the reason for him not wanting to go to Nineveh was because he knew the Lord was merciful and that the Lord might do a mighty work of salvation in that place. He knew the Lord was sending him to Nineveh so that they might repent of their sin. And he did not want to see them turning from their sin. He didn't want to see them spurred judgment. And being an Israelite, he hated the Ninevites. 
He despised them and did not want them having any of the blessings that his own nation had had. To sum it up, we could say that Jonah really was a racist. He was a sectarian and he didn't want the gospel going anywhere near them. And there we see that the commission that the Lord gave him was undesired. You know, this morning, the Lord has given his great commission. We have been told that we are to go into all the world preaching the gospel. And there may be those dangers. There may be difficulties. And maybe there is discrimination. Maybe there are people who you do not like. uh, But will you allow that to stop you telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ? I remember a story being told to me about a group who were doing outreach in a town in our province. And they came to a particular town, and uh, they came to a street in that town, and one man in, in the group, he stopped the others, and he said, we can't do that street. That's a Catholic street. We don't do that. And he, he said that we, we shouldn't uh, do outreach there. And now, I know wisdom is needed when we consider the circumstances in our land, uh, but when the opportunity arises, we cannot just say, Well, they're different to us, so we will not reach them. The truth is that we, that no matter matter what their viewpoints are in political matters, and no matter what their opinions are, whether they are nationalists, whether they are unionists, or whether they hold some other viewpoint, there's one thing that they all have in common, and that is that they need the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. They need to hear the gospel. The people in Israel, they needed to hear the word of the Lord as did the people in the city of Nineveh. Both of them needed to hear the message of the Lord. They needed to hear that there was salvation with the Lord, that there was deliverance. And likewise today, no matter what side of the community, no matter what area, no matter where they're from, whether they're from Ulster, whether they're from another nation, and they have come over here to live, we need to reach them. We need to reach them. We want to see them coming to Christ. There's a great mission field on our own doorstep. But yet we have to go and we have to reach them. Do you have that desire to go and to reach those perhaps who you you do not like on a personal level? You do have a dislike of them. Do you have that desire to go and reach them? Do you have that desire to see them one for the Lord? Or are you just happy just to say, you know what? Just let them keep tramping down the road to a lost eternity in hell. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he died on the cross And he died for those who had trusted in him. And he was the one who had compassion. And he had love and he showed that even towards Gentiles throughout his ministry. Those who the Jews hated. We think as well of the occasion when he was by the well and he spoke to the woman from Samaria. He showed love and compassion unto those who were hated and despised by others. Let us put aside any dislike that we have for other communities. Let us put aside any dislike that we have for those from other nations who have other opinions, who have other views, and let us seek to win them for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let that be our desire. But then finally and very quickly this morning, we see that it was an unfulfilled commission. Because when we look at verse 3, we have seen that Jonah fled. He fled. He'd received his marching orders. He'd been told to pack up and go to Nineveh. Arise, go to Nineveh. And he was told to go and to preach the word of the Lord there. But he deserted his post. He deserted his post and he ran in the opposite direction. And we see he disobeyed the word of the Lord. He'd been called to Nineveh, but he he disobeyed. In reality, he said to the Lord, Here am I, Lord. 
but send somebody else. Don't send me. I don't want to go. I'm not going. Don't send me. He rejected the word of God. You know, maybe the Lord's speaking to you about some work today. You're saying, well, no, I don't really want to engage in that. Maybe it's a work within the local church or maybe it's full-time service. And you're, but you're saying, Lord, don't send me. Send somebody else. I know somebody needs to do that, but don't send me. Send someone else. The Lord's speaking to you. Do not disobey. Jonah learned the hard way. He learned the hard way that you cannot disobey the word of the Lord. But by disobeying, he also separated himself from the presence of the Lord. And we know there's a sense in which the Lord is present in all places. He is present everywhere. But this really refers, when it says about um, going from the presence of the Lord, it refers really to either the place of worship, the place of prayer, or being in God's service. And in Jonah's case, in the context, it was because he was running from being in the Lord's service. He was running from service. And he separated himself from the Lord, and he ran and he got on that ship in Tarshish. He was running from God. He wanted to get away from his calling, and that's never a good idea. It's never a good move to run from the Lord. And being separated from the Lord's presence, it resulted in him losing his courage and having his comfort destroyed. You know, by disobeying, he went down a downward path. Verse 3, it tells us, it says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the further off and went down into it. And he kept going down and down. And we read later on how he went down into the sea and down into the belly of the fish. You know, that downward road always gets worse and worse. It gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. You know, sin will always take you further than you want to go. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. Jonah may have been quite comfortable when he got to that boat. And he got into the ship and he thought, there I am. I can go on the road to Taran, sail to Tarshish now. And that's it, I'm away. But he wouldn't, wasn't saying that when he ended up in the bottom of the sea in the belly of the fish. Things had changed. Sin had took him so much further than he ever wanted to go and he lost his comfort. He wasn't comfortable sitting in that fish's belly. You know, sin and disobedience will quickly destroy a believer's comfort. Jonah could not turn to the Lord and rest assured that he was doing the will of the Lord. Jonah was a prophet of the Lord. He, more than anybody else, would have known, I have disobeyed the Lord. I am outside the will of the Lord. This is all my fault. You wouldn't get much comfort in a situation like that. He could not be like the Apostle Paul when the Apostle Paul was taken and changed to Rome and he was shipwrecked on the way and he ended up on that island in Malta. It was a terrible ordeal the Apostle faced. But yet the Apostle had the comfort and assurance that it was the Lord's will for him to be there. Jonah didn't have that. Jonah didn't have that and thus he lost all the comfort and all the courage that he had. Rather, he knew he had done wrong and that he was reaping what he had sown. You know, we went from being God's spokesman, God's chosen vessel to preach the word. He went from being God's spokesman to being rebuked by a pagan sailor, as we see in verse 6. When it says, So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. 
The very pagan sailors were rebuking him. Oh, it's a sad state. It's a sad state of affairs. Jonah had really went down a downward path. But you know, despite his disobedience, the Lord was still merciful to Jonah. Because whilst this commission that Jonah was given, it went unfulfilled at this particular moment in time, Jonah was later spoken to by the Lord a second time. And he was called to go to Nineveh a second time. He was given a second chance to go and to fulfill this commission. And the second time, Jonah obeyed. And he went and he preached the word. And there was a great revival in that city. You know, it took a time of chastisement to bring Jonah to his senses. It took a time of chastisement when he ended up in the belly of that fish. And then he cried unto the Lord. That's what it took for Jonah to submit to the will of God. You know, sometimes it can be the same with ourselves. Often children are chastised in order to correct them where they have erred. They've maybe done something wrong and they're chastised to correct them, to point them in the right direction. And the Lord does the same with us. He, he chastises us to seek to correct our faults, to seek to point us in the way we ought to go. You know, this morning, maybe you've been running from the Lord. Maybe he's been speaking to you about some matter. Maybe it is serving the Lord. It is a matter of service. Or maybe it's that great matter of salvation. Maybe the Lord has been speaking to you and saying, you know, you're a sinner and you need to be saved. He's saying, will you not come and call upon me today? Or will you keep dragging out the matter, keep putting it off? Yes, you come to the house of God, you hear the gospel every week. But you won't come. You know the Lord has been speaking. You've heard it. You know that he has been speaking to you. You know that the Lord is convicting your heart, but yet you're resisting with all that you have. Does that describe you this morning? You're running from God. This morning, will you not stop running? Will you not heed the call of the Lord, whether it be to service or whether it be to salvation? If the Lord is calling you to do something, will you not do it? Jonah was a man of God, and he made a grave mistake which almost cost him his life. Running from God was such a serious thing that he did. Don't follow the example of Jonah, but rather submit to the Lord. Trust him in all, with all things and go through with him. With him. But you know, this morning, let us seek to spread the gospel. Jonah was given a great commission. It was an urgent commission. And whilst it was undesired, may we have a desire to fulfill it. And may we fulfill it to the glory of of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this morning. We're going to sing our closing hymn. It's the hymn number 678, 678, found on page 449. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And again, we'll stand to sing this great hymn.
eternal God and our loving and gracious Father in heaven. We thank thee for the word that we have had this morning. We thank thee, O God, that even whilst Jonah did not fulfill his commission at the first, we thank thee, O God, that thou didst hear his cry in the belly of the fish and that thou didst grant him even that second opportunity to go and to preach the word of God. Father, we Thank thee that we will meet those who were saved in the city of Nineveh. We will meet them someday when we get to glory. But Father, we pray that we would seek to fulfill thy commission, which thou hast given us. Thou hast told us to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Lord, we pray that we would see the urgency. We pray that we would have the desire. And, O oh God, we pray that we would do our utmost to fulfill thy great commission. As we come now to part our ways, we pray that thou wouldst take us to our various homes in safety and then bring us again tonight to thy house when we come to examine uh, the, the, the passage which thou hast laid in my heart. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst bless us this afternoon and then grant us a blessed time in thy house. This night we pray. Part us now with thy blessing, for it's in thy name we ask. Amen. Amen.